This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And I'm sitting here in the boozer, the virtual joints. Normally we go up and down, well, West London, East London, North London, wherever we can do, on a Wednesday or a Thursday night with the chums and sit down and talk about Brentford. But it's been so mad, we've been up to Sheffield, down from Sheffield, we've been all over the place this week. So we thought instead of going out to the boozer, let's bring the boozer to us. The virtual joint, as I'm sitting in the virtual joint myself with my chums. I'm Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here with characters like the Liberal Nick. Liberal, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Bill. I'm good. Been travelling up and down, around the country like you. Sadly, didn't make it to Sheffield on Tuesday night, but uh, did make it uh, to Griffin Park last Saturday to see us score five goals past Hull, which is the first time I've seen us do five goals, actually, because I missed the previous shellackings. So I was really pleased to be there for this one and break my hoodoo. Uh, it's all good I'm glad, I'm glad you're feeling jolly liberal I'm feeling a little less jolly after seeing what I saw on Tuesday night up at Hillsborough but we'll come on to that in a little bit I've got the Laney as well who's feeling a little bit of shamrock in him isn't you oh yes yeah I've been, I've been over the Irish Sea twice this week it's a bit bit weird I'm doubling on doubling on Monday and I'm in Cork tonight so uh, I have a pint of Guinness and I will probably have one or two more later on so uh, yeah now it made sense to uh, meet in the virtual boozer I, I do quite like the virtual boozer now and again but uh, yeah I'm uh, I need to get in a bit of practice because I, I've heard there's an early start on Saturday morning Bill <laughs> there, is an, there is another early start I don't know if it's going to be as early as a last uh, Saturday start where it started at 10 o'clock in King's Cross for me with the, my P&E challenge and also my whole chums we all met up at King's Cross at 10 o'clock and that ended up being a quite a lively day and a lively evening but I've also got the man Gary Paul in the house the Paul man how are you doing? Good day sir yeah I'm doing okay mate um, you know fairly well that's how my MAT today managed to get the car through nice and easy so <laughs> not right. too much of a hole in the pocket 
that's all good, mate. As long as you, you know, I thought it might have been your personal MOT, like you know, but um, you know, when you've got to go for your own sort of go down to the doctors to get your own MOT, but it's the car no, no, MOT, no, which is uh, that one's all right. I'll go yeah, you no fail, t- fail no, that no, one, mate. No, no teeth lost this week, so, um, <laughs> which is which is good. Anyway, listen, we're going to crack on because we've got a we've got a sort of quite a compact show today. You know, we've got a big game at the weekend, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later. But first of all, we're going to have to go back to this week. Because we had a couple of games this week. First of all, we played Hull on Saturday, as the Liberals said, 5-1. Fantastic game. We talked about it on the Besotted Radio Show on Monday, which you can check out on prideofwest.london. I was there with the Robin Hood, you know, who was there with the Robin Hood and also the Dan Man, you know, so it was a nice different combination there. We talked about the game quite a lot, plus a few other bits and pieces, so check that out on prideofwest.london. So that was a lot of elation and jubilation after that game, and we were, it was one of those games which we talked about that, you know, everything seemed to go right. We even talked about the stats, the XG, and the fact that, you know, it was a pretty decent XG, but we've had games where our XG has been higher. But we scored less goals, so everything seemed to go right for that in that game. Coming back to this game, on Tuesday night, it was almost the exact polar opposite. Everything seemed to go wrong for us. We turned up, as we said, one of our crew, the Mats from Sweden, who was watching it from Sweden, and he messaged me on WhatsApp and says, it looks like the players are drunk. Very much so when we played Sheffield Wednesday. But listen, forget about what I'm going to say at the moment now. Let's go and listen to what the fans had to say afterwards in the pub about that Sheffield Wednesday game. Very sluggish performance by Brentford. Total polar opposite of what we saw last Saturday against Hull. Um, They couldn't get anything right. There there was just pace missing everywhere on the pitch. Uh, Rarely got a connection together of several passes. Uh, just didn't happen at all. Uh, we, we were overrun in midfield, uh, couldn't cope with, uh, with Bannon and Hutchinson. Uh, thoroughly deserved win for Sheffield Wednesday, much as it pains me to say it. Lack of urgency from Brentford. Uh, never really gave, uh, gave our supporters anything to cheer about. A couple of nice flying moves in the second half, but very little end product. And uh, quite frankly, an evening to forget. The, the, the performance... Apart from Mopai and Ben Rama and on Watkins when he came on was shocking. There was just no they wanted it more than what we did. Yeah, you know, considering you know, if we'd have won that we would have still been outside chance of playoffs. And there was just no appetite. It was just like a casual stroll in the park almost. I mean Wednesday just wanted it more. And then we only started playing when we were two 0 down and it was too late. No urgency you know, at all. Absolutely no urgency in the side. I know we got yeah, we like to retain the ball by passing back, but when you're 2-0 down, you can't keep going backwards, backwards. You've got to start looking going forward. We held back beforehand, but we said it seems to be very obvious. In the past couple of months, there's a formula where if uh, Makocha in the side, we seem to at least have a chance of winning. Yeah. Yeah. If McEachern's in the side, oh, we have no shocking. chance of winning. Awful, awful, shocking. He's, he's, it doesn't look as though his heart's in it. He's going at the end of the season. His season's finished. I can't understand why he's in the squad. You, you, you've got Justice Silva, which is the future. So give you know, give him a game. Isn't it? What's the point? McEachern just goes sideways or backwards, and it's just you know, without Camo, we looked a, sh- a shadow of ourselves. You know, the trouble is, it's it's been us all season. You know, one, two, three good results at home, and we just can't seem to win away. I thought Sheffield Wednesday were well organised, um, got in our faces. Didn't think the referee gave us much protection. 
But, you know, that wasn't the reason we lost the game. We just weren't at the races. I think the problem is it's not that we've uh, not got a good side. We haven't got a strong enough squad. And to uh, to compete in this level, you need players that can come in. You know, you're playing two games a week at the end of the season. We've got Middlesbrough coming up. We've got Sheffield United coming up away from home. And we haven't got enough players. And they put a lot of effort into the game on, on Saturday. And I think some of them were tired tonight. Losing Makocha before the game probably didn't help. But in my view... Uh, we need to strengthen the squad and once that's done then I think we can push for top six First thing to say is I think it was a really good game of football Uh, it was was end to end it was entertaining Um, and probably the difference was we took our chances over yours Uh, there was a save from Westwood in the first half which had that gone the other way not made that that would have been 1-0 Brentford that would have been a different matter but I think we we set about and we did everything that we wanted to do and Steve Bruce has just said that this was the best performance that he has seen under us under him so I think that says what you want about the Wednesday performance that we went out and we did what we we had a game plan and we did it and we executed it and we took our chances and we actually thought Brentford still looked good still looked dangerous Um, but probably from 70 minutes it, it was probably the result was known I was kind of thinking this is going to be one of those games that ends up being nil-nil, but a really entertaining nil-nil game. Um, I thought both teams were playing some decent stuff. It was pretty tight. Um, and and then, it, it obviously, everything started to go our way a little bit. I, I kind of agree with John in terms of the fact that I thought, I don't think Brentford played particularly badly. Um, obviously, I've not really followed the way that you guys have been playing, so if, if that was poor for you guys, then... You've obviously been putting in some pretty good performances this season because I thought you looked quite dangerous on the break. Uh, you played uh, some really quick football, and at t- there were times where I was I was certainly worried about um, the kind of threat that that you posed a little bit. But everything did go a little bit our way, um, and you know, before before this weekend just gone, we not won a single game this season by more than one goal. Uh, now we've won two games, consecutive games by two goals, uh, and we'll take that because, in the same way that you guys have got a bit of a derby game coming up this weekend, we have as well. So I think for us going into it with a bit of form, we're going to take that. After watching them against all, knocking five past them, I didn't take Spain Wednesday to actually do really well against Brentford, but tonight's game. After closing it down like they did, and we're only six points off at playoffs, I can see us doing something after putting two past yourselves. Brentford were the best team to come to Hillsborough, without a doubt, last season. Without, even though we beat you last season, you were superb. But I was quite disappointed tonight, actually. I expected a little bit more. And obviously, Steve Bruce has done his homework. Big up, Steve Bruce. So, Sheffield Wednesday on a Tuesday. It was a little bit of a... Horror show is probably probably not the fairest thing to say, but it was pretty abject, it has to be said. From the very first minute to the very last minute, it was one of those games where it just looked like Brentford were never going to get anything out of that game. Um, to, be, to be honest, it was, actually, it was actually a good day. You know, again, went up there, the first time I've driven to a match for ages, other than, well, Swansea, but that doesn't count. But it's the first time I've actually driven to a sort of match like that for ages, and... Uh, to, to be quite honest with you, like I said, it's a good day. Met up with Tango beforehand, met up with the Wednesday week posse. As you say, if you've never been to Wednesday, other than them char- trying to charge us loads of money, normally, their fans are actually really good, really hospitable. They always come out, they meet us, they get us a couple of drinks. And it's, you know, it was a very, very good day. As to be said, I stayed overnight, went back the next day. However, 
going inside that stadium, watching that game, it was really, really bad. And you heard the comments from the fans there. The interesting thing is that the Wednesday fans actually thought we played all right. They thought that we were half decent. They thought that we were quite dangerous and they thought that we could come back into the game. And I think it just goes to show you how we see things totally different. And obviously we've seen Brentford when they're absolutely brilliant. The fact that we saw them play on Tuesday and I thought that they were awful. So we've got different... It's almost like our bar's been raised, probably even what it was from what it was three or four years ago. But the question I'm asking is, like, you know, it was a proper Jekyll and Hyde performance. We had Saturday against Hull, that was properly Jekyll. And then on Tuesday night against Sheffield Wednesday, that was properly Hyde, the Jekyll and Hyde. How come Brentford are so Jekyll and Hyde? I mean, I can't put my finger on it. Liberal, can you? No, I can't. Um, our home form is excellent. Our away form is appalling. And it's worrying because we ain't going to do anything next season if we don't sort out what it is about an away form. And I was a bit disappointed. Well, no, I was pleased that Thomas Frank um, was quite angry on his post-match comments on Tuesday on Tuesday night, but also slightly concerned as he didn't really know what it was that the problem problem is Liberal, just, just sorry to interrupt you but just could you just tell the people what thomas frank said because some of the people might not know that there yeah he's in his post-match comments in in summary he had a go basically at his team um and he said he was very disappointed with the standard of play he said it was roughly the worst that he'd seen uh, us play in the course of the season um but that he didn't really know why it was and he was very disappointed so he was quite you know for for a man who strikes me as being pretty mild-mannered, he was pretty cross with the team performance. So I mean, he's even more hardcore than that. I thought he said that he, it was the worst he'd ever seen them play, that they couldn't pass the ball, they couldn't string the ball together, they couldn't do anything right. It's pretty much is what he said, which is basically yeah. he completely lambasted them. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, he really had a go at them. It would be interesting to see, you know, we'll come on later to see where that works. As to why the reason for our waveform is, I mean, we probably need somebody like the Allard here who's good on tactics rather than me to answer that question. But I, you know, I just wonder whether the fact at home teams come and um, and slightly uh, wait for the counter-attack, whereas uh, when, when we travel to them, teams go at us um, much harder because they want to put on a performance for their home crowd. Uh, that's a very simplistic version. I'm sure there is far more detailed reasons for it. But um, it does seem to me is that we seem to freeze when we go away at the moment. The, what are, the away games I've seen this, this season, we just have never really turned up. We've never played the style of football that we used to see at Griffin Park. Uh, it must be must be partly a mental thing, I think, but because um, tactically it doesn't seem to set up any differently in any way. So why Plan A doesn't work away from home as it does at home? If I knew the answers to that, I'd be a very rich man. Gary, I mean, why are Brentford so bad away from home? I'd, it's an interesting. I know I'm just as baffled as all of us are. It just makes no sense how we could go from what we did on Saturday and to then, you know, three, four days later, we can barely pass the ball to. The minute we got out of our own third, the ball just, our passes were just astray. The passes were just going astray throughout that game. We just weren't at the races at all. And it's completely baffling as to why. 
I, I wasn't that surprised on uh, Tuesday night. No, I wasn't surprised. That's the thing. I wasn't surprised either. Because we didn't. We did exactly the same at Forest. We 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 come away. We come away from a really good positive result, and we'd we'd let ourselves down. And I'd probably go as far as to say that the uh, the players are letting the fans down away from home this season. Um, that they, you know, we we speak up. We you know we 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 sort of hype them up a bit we um we know what they're capable of at home and um you know we we speak to other other fans and we kind of just say how good um we are and they kind of constantly kind of under deliver and it makes you think that you're a little bit crazy oh you know we we play great football and then you know you you, you go to places like you know preston and your your three goals down and there's there, there are we have been unlucky once or twice, I'd, I'd say. Our, our away form could could have been a lot better. You know, if you, if you factor in that we were winning um, at, uh, at uh, Aston Villa, um, we were winning at uh, one or two other places, but we, we conceded in the last minute. You know, got, um, uh, Stoke City away, should have won that one. And I think Stoke, that Stoke game, looking back, it's actually quite a, quite a big letdown because... I think if we win there, that gives us the belief away from home. I think there's probably a little bit of a lack of belief that they're going to get a result, and and I think I don't I don't I don't think it's it's too big a mental block, but I think sometimes in the back of their minds that they don't believe that they're going to win, so that so they don't. And I think the only one win of the season, Rotherham away, even then they tried to lose it. So uh, it, was, it, it was only later on when the game kind of opened up and we we ended up getting what we deserved but you know we could have been in a situation where we're almost in March and we didn't have an away win is it do you think it's indicative of the style of football that we play um, and one of the reason why I say that is that we play open expensive football um, interestingly a team that got promoted last season played open uh, expensive football it's gone to the Premier League now which is Fulham <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and Fulham they uh, they've got their expensive football out there, but they can't win. They can't win an away match in uh, in the Premier League. I mean, they can't win any matches, but they can't win an away match in the, in the Premier League. And do you they think that, that we might they be can't the managers either? You know. Um, and do you think that we might be mimicking Fulham to a certain extent? <laughs> um, no, well, not not really. Uh, it's you know, there is there is no rhyme or reason why we should be so away from home there, there isn't anything that anyone could put their finger on and say it's because of this and, and I think it's a myth now that you you used to be going used to go away to northern away games and they would say oh well you know they, they're big cloggers up north they're this rough tough you soft, soft southerners it's not like that at all anymore everyone everyone's like very professional and everyone you know is, is a decent football team at this level but Oh, this there's just something lacking and, and, and I think you can look at the whole you can look at the our away form this season as a whole and try and work you know, look look at a magic wand. What's the one thing? But well, I don't think we should do that. I think we should just break it down to what happened on Tuesday night because I you know, that what's what's gone in the past is, is out of control. It it does seem to be that the loss of Makocho um, it did it did make us go a little bit wobbly. Lainey, you're, you're right to a certain extent about, you know, you, you don't go up north and meet the clogging teams anymore. But, but sometimes you need a bit of resilience. 
Um, when you're away from home, you need to dig in, you need to battle, you need to fight. And with the exception of Camo, um, what are, who else can you think of who's a real battle, a real fighter for us, um, particularly in the, in the midfield? Um, McEachran isn't the answer. Um, I'm not certain I've seen anybody who really gets stuck in. You know, somebody jokingly said the other day on a WhatsApp group, you know, oh, for, the, oh, oh, for having uh, Alan McCormack back. Well, you know, he's not, he's not rooting up trees at Luton anymore and you can't, you know, don't revisit the past. But um, th- we haven't got that battler in midfield that you sometimes do need away from home. No, that's true. You, you can't argue with that. That's, 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 that's a fact. Yeah, you know, there, there, there aren't, you know, e- even even with Makocho um, there, there, you know, you look at look at one to eleven. There is, there's no one that you would kind of think is a is a toughie. You know, and, and this, I think, this comes back to us again. You know, talking about players that are coming through the succession plan. You know, if you haven't got any players coming through, but let's just sort of concentrate on this again because it is quite an important point. It's been discussed sort of many, many, many times, but I think it's come to a bit of a head now because we are at a particular point in the season. Um, there's Josh McEachran, um played on this game because um, Camo fell ill during the warm-up. So he was um, taken off the pitch and he didn't play in that game. And Josh McEachran was subbed on. We only had six subs in that game instead of seven because obviously we didn't realise this was going to happen. Now, Josh McEachran played this game and as the game panned out, listen, this is not pointing fingers at one person, but this is, this is making a general comment. You know, I put it all tweet out there saying that it's interesting, but, you know, in the last couple of months when Mococho plays we at least have a chance of winning when McEachran plays we have no chance of winning now some like I said to you some people might think that's a little bit tough and some people are pointing their fingers saying oh you're blaming him you know there's other people to blame it's it's nothing to do with that at all yeah we know that you know Bentley for example has been making mistakes so if he doesn't make the mistakes then we might win some matches and you know and Konza has, you know he's made particular mistakes Pepper made mistakes when he was in there the defence has made there's, yes we know all these things are happening we've talked about this till the cows come home about the person being in front of the the, the, the back four you know um, at the time and protecting them and then they've gone to the three at the bag there's all sorts of things that we can talk about here but what we've just noticed is that there's a particular style a typical particular way that that they play and Makocho and McEachran are two completely different types of players and it's almost like um Makocho doesn't play and McEachran comes in but he doesn't fit the style of the, of, the, of, of football that we're trying to play uh, McEachran is technical he, he's slow he ambles he he plays some fantastic balls you know um but then we put him into central defense um or defensive midfield and he's not the best tackler in the world. The teams come and they press us and they press us hard and they're playing the ball fast and he's just not mobile enough. He's just not, he's not as fast enough. So our game completely changes. So I think it's a fair point to say that what's happened is that, yes, the first five or six games we did really well because people hadn't sussed Brentford out. Then when they sussed us out and they said, well, this is how they play, this is who they've got in central defence, central, central, um, yeah, central uh, defensive midfield, and all we need to do is this, and they did that to us, and we were rocking. And it was only when we started to change it up a little bit and Camo came in, um, then we started to sort of kind of... Yeah, we started to we started to back that off a little bit. We started to look a little bit better. Then he got injured, and then it all went back on itself. But all we're trying to say is that Josh McEachran, as of late, hasn't looked like the player who's going to dig us out. It, Bill, Bill, you know you're right. You know, let's let's be honest. 
you put McKechnie in the team at the moment, it weakens us, and 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 it's a fact. And you know, we were really pleased for him at the beginning of the season, where he pulled out maybe half a dozen games, and we talked about it on the podcast. We sort of said, "Yeah, well done, Josh. You've got to do this for a whole season," and it, and he hasn't. And you know, he's gone back to the form. He's got. He's a, he's almost like a ghost player. You know, he's, he's a bit of a myth. He's a. He, we hear about all these kind of he's brilliant he's the, he's the most visionary the most skillful player on the training ground and whatever you know I, I, I joked with the Allard on Saturday I said well maybe we ought to re-enter the even standard five-a-side competition because we, we, he'd be great he'd be great in that you know he's, he's a he's, he's a he's a he's a disappointment and uh, it, it, he he needs if he's going to stay with us, which he isn't. He doesn't look like he's going to. He has to contribute more, and and he can't. He, he seems to be living on this past reputation. Whether he's hungry enough, whether he's got too much money, whether he actually cares enough, I I, I do question all of those things. But you know, ultimately, we are a better team with Makocho um, in there all day long. And you know, the stinky run we had under under um, Thomas Frank, McEachern was getting a lot of game time. And you know, it's we are better without him. And I think you know, he earns he earns too much at Brentford. He's, he's, he's he needs to go. Thing is, though, guys, it's a it's the same old problem, though. I mean, we've got into a situation where Makocho hasn't been able to play, and the squad. I mean, you haven't got Yanaris there anymore, and we're we're found wanting. We don't have the personnel. You know, we. We in 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 this, you know, we lost um, Woods, who would have probably done that role. He obviously left um, beginning of the season, and we haven't got anybody. You know, we haven't got two players, and you're probably gonna if you want to go up in this league, you're going to need two players for every position. That you're not going to go up without it. All right, so I'm going to ask a question, right? And this is Woodsy, right? Okay, okay. There's a couple of things here. Woods, right, was we could see how key he was just because he's key because as part of a squad, even if he was on the bench, he'd come off him and Makocho, you could see them sort of swap and play, do whatever they have to do, but you know, you could see that happening. Now you knew that Woods was gonna go because all close season there was this rumour Woods is gonna go, Woods is gonna go, Woods is gonna go. So you've got Woods potentially going, um you've got Makocho coming on. Now at the moment now we can out and out say we are short in particular position or particular positions. Is this an issue in the fact that we have basically sold ourselves a little bit short and not kind of filled those positions rightly so all of a sudden we find ourselves in this situation or did we actually really feel that we had the personnel to fit those situations? So did we actually feel, oh that's alright, don't worry about that because McEachern can fit that role and it's actually we've actually found out down the line actually when the teams play a different way it's actually exposed us? I suspect, Bill, given the track record of our directors of footballs, and this is not blowing smoke up their backsides, but I think actually that we probably missed out in the summer transfer window on a defensive midfielder. We were probably looking at somebody we weren't able to sign them. Um, I, you know, everybody in the club, supporters, players, managers, all head coaches, all knew that Woods was going to go. Um, I think there were a few rumours around in the summer about players we were after. Obviously, the director of footballs weren't able to get anything over the line on them. Um, and I think they are probably as much regretting that um, as as we are as, as fans. Um, well, we also know that if the right deal isn't there, we're not going to do it. So it may have been that there may have 
they may have, as you said, they may have tried to get things going, but if people are going to ask stupid money, we're not going to pay it. No, and I mean, <clears throat> that, that, that's right. I think, but you're, you're, you're dead right, Gary, about the fact that you need two players for every position if you want to want to really challenge for it. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer on that one. Bill, can I just also pick up on one other point which really worries me as well? It's because, because of McEachran's poor performances, a lot of uh, Sawyer's tends to be sort of regarded as a bit of a, a, a luxury player or whatever. Let's state for the record that Sawyer's has probably been our best player, um, you know, certainly in midfield, probably in the whole team for so far this season. And I think some of McEachran's performances haven't reflected well on the work, the actual work that Sawyer, Sawyer's does for us. And I'm, you know, it's disappointed to see that he's the one that sometimes gets the attraction of the Boo Boys rather than Josh McEachran who gets a song sung after him. The, um, the, 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 the clip on the uh, sort of post-Sheffield Wednesday um, uh, reflections was, you know, was pretty much spot on about the size of our squad. Um, it is interesting to, to know if we, if, we, if we could look back knowing exactly you know, what got us into the Premier Division, what it was that, that was the changing factor. Was it, was it whether it was an individual like, quality, whether it was another striker or it was another, you know, investing in the defence or whether it was like the, the squad as a whole, whether we needed to, to bring in seven or eight players that we, you know, traditionally we would go, Christ, Christ, we're just spending money on players that aren't going to be used. But, you know, that's, that's maybe where, where, the, the experience of the last five years needs to be brought to brought to the fore. Really, is that we the lessons that we've learned, and it was interesting to listen to um, the Warburton clip last year. I'm um, sorry, last week was was that ultimately we we didn't have enough enough strength strength in depth. You can't mount a promotion challenge with 15 players. You might you might get a lucky one year where you know there's no injuries, and we and we did pretty much that year. You know we're we're flipping that now and we're saying, you know, we've got 20 players and, and that's still not enough. So it's, it's so sooner or later we are going to either stumble across the right formula or um, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, conjure up the magic that's required. But at the moment, it seems that we're slight, you know, we've got all the raw ingredients, but we seem to be still slightly naive in what it takes to make us go that ex extra six places, that extra ten places. So, uh, so I mean, it's interesting when we're talking about sort of signing extra players. Um, Brentford obviously have been looking for central midfielders. We, we thought that was the case. Um, a story's just popped up today. There's a player called Damian Szymanski, Polish player. He's a central midfielder. Uh, he can play central midfield. He can play defensive. He can play attacking. But he's, he, he is a, a CM. Um, he plays for a team called Wisla Plock, or Wisla Plock, um, who finished fifth in the Polish uh, Premier League, as it is the first division in, in, in Poland last year. And uh, he had talks with Brentford. Um, Brentford, uh, Rob Rowan flew over to see him in November. They had a meeting. He, he sold Brentford to him. They did a whole presentation. He saw him play against uh, a team. He saw the match, and then, like I said to you, apparently it went quiet. And uh, it went quiet, and he didn't know why it went quiet. Then he found that, unfortunately, like I said to you, the news of Rob Rowan had got to them that um, that Robert died. So the deal did not go ahead. So um, 
he ended up signing yeah. for a team called Asmat Grozny, which is in which is in Russia. I think it is. I think it's in the top league in Russia. So he's gone there for about 1.5 million euros. So that deal hasn't quite gone ahead. You know, from what we can gather, um, wasn't quite sure whether or not he'll make the grade because I think Brentford are looking for players not to become squad players but if they're going to sign them to become players who are a certain level and I think the story is that I don't they weren't 100% sure that he would be um, up to the level where we want them to be which is a top six uh, championship player so I think the, new, the, thing, the news there is that we've been identifying players but we haven't necessarily found the right players and this player here yes we did go and see him but weren't quite sure whether or not he was the one liberal yeah I mean you know he got transferred to a Russian club Grozny which is a pretty um, is a war zone area as well so um, he was obviously desperate to desperate for a move out of Poland um, we can't afford in the summer to employ somebody who may come good I think we've got to look for somebody who has been tried and tested there will be somebody out there may well be somebody already playing in League One um, who the directors of football have got their eyes on but it needs to be somebody who comes in immediately and is up and running um, and we'll have some wages free um, come the summer because uh, McCracken I think is on, a, uh, is on a fair decent wedge is he not um, so might be that we'll need to splash the cash for a central defensive midfielder in the summer I, well I can't, I can't see us going for experience like that it's just, it's just not what we do um, uh, and I, but what I do think we, we we will do is we'll start spending um, more money. We'll we'll be spending two millions and three millions on players rather than five hundred thousands for or on punts. I think there'll be more calculated risks. It's whether they like hit the ground running and they they cope with the championship level, um, you know, physically. I think you know they, they'll know quality wise that they're up to the job. Um, I, th- I think you know we, we've seen with Ben Rama, we've seen with Morpe, we've we've seen with one or two players that you know we're we're we're, we're the calibre that we're bringing in now. Is, it, it, it's almost like it, it, it's, again chalk and cheese is something we've mentioned a lot tonight. We we are upping the the quality of the squad. Um, you know, I'd be, it'd be sad to see someone like um, to, for Barway to go though. <laughs> it's it's going to be a, it's, it will be a fascinating summer. Definitely yeah, but they. Dave, just to just to jump in there, I, I I totally take your point about you know about what our system is, but at some stage, somebody has got to bite a bullet and say, look, we could do with one, just two players, solid experience who we know can do the job to back up the other uh, 13, 14 squad players who are perhaps you know raw talent that will come through and come come good as the season goes on just one or two experienced wise heads can make an incredible difference and that they could be the difference between a top 10 finish and between the top two finish so i mean i mean talking about you know obviously we're talking about our season we're talking about how our season's gone on we're talking about players coming through i mean this central midfield um defensive midfield or central you know this midfield role I mean, this will go on and on because we've, we're talking about whether or not we buy players from outside, whether or not we, we might have a player who's up and ready from our B team who's coming through. I know that they've got a few players up there who they're saying they're very close to looking at A team action. Now, B team are at this very moment in time playing in the Middlesex Senior Cup at Barnet, the fake beast, 
and uh, it's just gone half time, and they're three nil up at the moment now. No, 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 Bill, you're out of date. They're now, they're no, I know they're now four nil up. Are oh, they four, four nil up as well? So yeah, I know four yeah. scored two. Finston scored one. Who scored the Who scored the other goal? Uh, Ockenson. Ockenson. Okay. And uh, yeah, Ockenson. Okay, yeah. okay. So Ockenson is one of the players who is actually very, very highly rated, and they feel that he will be making a move into the into the first team in, in very, very soon as well. Obviously, we've got Marcus Force, who's uh, one of our A teamers. He's a, you know a B team, A teamer as well. So he scored a couple of goals there, which is all good. Finston, who looked uh, quite decent against. Hamlet a few weeks ago as well so you know there's a few players out there as well and also we've got Jan Zamberic um, who is he came on um, Zamberic and um, who came on as well uh, uh, who made his debut on Saturday 5-1 Kirk yeah Nikolai Kirk. Kirk as well Nikolai Kirk that's right so we've got Nikolai so we've got a few players out there as well coming through but so I mean the B team is now in two it looks like two cup finals I mean they're, they're definitely through this one so they're in this cup final and also this is the Middlesex Senior Cup and they're also in the London Senior Cup final as well um, dates to be decided at the moment I think the 16th of April is the date of the, the London Senior Cup final that's going to be at Dulwich Hamlet and um, Dulwich Hamlet's ground and the, the final for this one the Middlesex Senior Cup is going to be at Griffin Park at some date um, but, so their season's very much happening however the first team the question I'm going to ask you lads is our season over Laney actually before I go on to that is the season over I'm a bit disappointed with the Liberal if I'm honest with you um, I, I, I want him to uh, if, if you're going to do this job of uh, looking at the B team game can you do it properly go I want I want some sort of like soccer like like I want like Jeff Stelling kind of I want some moaning in the background when there's near goal I want some, oh and then like Bill's got to go over to oh let's go over to the Liberal and then it's an update and then you've got to give it the, I don't want this you're just a bit bit too liberal well in, in his defence he has mispronounced a couple of players names <laughs> well that that makes me a classic for, you know that makes me the Chris Kamara of this podcast doesn't well, it well that's, that's what that's, they're the kind of standards we're looking for is, is that understood <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, this, is the season over? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it is in terms of like aiming for anything significant. I mean, obviously, there's some there's some milestones and there's some things to aim for that um, we need to kind of uh, get into perspective. Yeah, we're, we're not going to go up. We're not going to be in the playoffs. We can be a top half team again, and we can be a top ten team team. So that the top ten team is probably, it might sound a little bit lame, but it, I don't. It, it, it is it is significant that we could do five years at this level and be in the top ten. So I think that's the that's the standard for this season. Um, we can pin the blame on our awful away form and that stinky run in the middle um, um, and we have to make sure that there aren't any stinky runs next season but the season yeah we, we need to be looking at small little victories Saturday is a major one we need to um, put the put the Raras back in their place after losing at Loftus Road you know we, we were winning at half time there and we came away um, scratching our heads working out how we you know we, we lost that one um, and uh, I, I think that also we need to, uh, you know, think about trying to ruin Leeds this season as well. That's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on Easter Monday, that's that's a big game for us. You know, it, we, we need to show a couple of uh, these big gun teams that, you know, we are we're we're 
we're not we're no Mickey Mouse outfit. They know that they know that already. You know, I'm not. I'm really not looking forward to going to Sheffield United, and I'm really not looking forward to going to Middlesbrough for the game because I think we're going to get you know on our away form we're, we're you know we're going to get tonked. Um, but the home games, I am massively looking forward to. I think, uh, Dave, you're being too depressive about this. We could, we could be, we could have some real fun, and you know, if the no, we're, team, we're, no, we're not talking about fun. We're always have fun. We're talking about his Brentford season. Yeah, our, our season. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. The team could have some real good. I mean, look at the fixtures we've got coming up. We, as you said, we've got Rangers, Rangers at home. Well, you know, we'll turn them over. Middlesbrough away, <coughs> Sheffield United away, West Brom at home. Uh, Wigan away, Swansea away, we'll ignore those. Derby County home, Ipswich at home, Reading away, Millwall away, Leeds at home, Bolton away, and we finish up with Preston going at home. We could really foul up promotion attempts and we could really assist relegation battles um, in a lot of those games. So while we might not have much to play for, There'll be supporters of other teams willing us on to do well or willing us on to do badly. And we could have a lot of fun in having some heartbreak uh, into uh, the away fans' um, um, seasons. So I'm quite looking forward to that. I'm particularly looking forward to... I, I, what I really enjoy is on the journeys home, back from uh, away games or home games, as you know, it's three hours back on the train for me, wherever. And I enjoy uh, scrolling through Twitter and looking at all the uh, responses from, from the away fans of teams we beat, you know, why are we losing to teams like Brentford, you know, and uh, what have Brentford have let me down on the betting coupon again? And, uh, you know, Brentford, Brentford, what are they? You know, who are Brentford? Where are they? That's great fun. That's great fun. Absolutely great fun. So, you know, let's, let's go and... season, a few teams season. Gary, the problem is, I think the problem is after he, as the home games, I'm looking forward to. I mean, I know Dave said he wasn't looking forward to going to like you know Middlesbrough and Sheffield. I'm not looking forward to any away game at the moment because after a year of our away results, I've got at the moment no faith in us away from home. At home, completely different matter. You've seen the way we played in our last couple of games at home. I think we've been great, and hopefully. Like more than that, mate, it's the last three or four. If you go, if you go back, you do Stoke, Blackburn, yeah. Villa, and then Hull. You know, and to be four, honest, four games. Quality. And to be honest, the first half of the Swansea game. Yep. You know, that yep. was away, and you know, but um, yeah, do I mean, yeah, we don't. I mean, we're not going to. I mean, we we could win every game. But I don't think that enough of the teams above us would drop enough points for us to get into the playoffs. So. I think that that ship's well sailed. Um, we're far too ahead of everybody else to get relegation. So, but there is professional pride to play for, and us as fans want to win every single game. And I'm pretty sure the players will as well. Well, they will, I suppose. I am. I am perfectly prepared. I, I am not giving up on spending quite a lot of money to travel either to the home games or to make as many away games as I can to see us um, um, just just gently stroll around and think we're on the beach already 
as I said, that we've got really lots to play for. I'm going to put my money behind the team. I hope everybody else, or all the other fans, put their money behind the team. And let's go out and you know, let's go out and have a bit of fun at other teams' expense because we could really, we could really cause some damage in the next few weeks to a few teams' prospects and hopes. And I'm quite looking forward to doing that. And, and I'd say just, oh, just, just on the last point on this is our season over. Um, I mean, it was a bit of a sinking feeling, like I said, coming out of Hillsborough. We just thought, mm, where do we go from here? Because I actually went up there and I actually really thought that we were going to get a result from Wednesday. And when we were so abject, I was just thinking, listen, you know, we've got another what, four or five of these home games of what, six away games to come like this. And if we're going to carry on like this, we've got absolutely no chance. And also, um, any team who's only won one game away from home at this stage, to be honest, he doesn't really deserve to, 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 to be in the playoffs. And that's, that's the only- honest truth. You know, so the only thing I would say, Bill, though, is that we were markedly worse in on on a against Sheffield Wednesday than we have been in other away games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do understand that, but we still have. So I don't think it was a typical performance. No, no, it wasn't. As we said wasn't before, we no, it wasn't typical performance. But we still only won one away game since uh, well yeah. August. So, and that is that is a fact. So, whatever, however you want to sort of kind of play it you know we we could spin it on in september and then october and then november but we're in march now you know we're still spinning it so i'm just sort of saying that the team doesn't really deserve to go if they've only won one away game at no, this stage absolutely. because it doesn't it doesn't show the form however i agree with the liberal as we can have a little bit of fun i'm particularly looking forward to uh, to beating leeds and like i said to you i hope we beat them with a really dodgy penalty and also a handball goal, goal just to get them moaning till the end of the season that'd be quite good um, but also, I'm looking forward to. I think you know this is the stage where because again, when, when we that game, I think the frustration was seeing um, see, seeing a, a player play on that pitch who, to be honest, he was probably not going to be there at the end of the season. So I'm sort of thinking to myself, so why is he there? Because he's not adding to the game. Because at the end of the day, we're losing anyway. We've lost. There's no energy. It doesn't seem like he wants to be there. You know, if the players that don't want to be there, then surely you should be having people in there who are going to be having the energy and and wanting to be there. And even if we lose, which we're losing anyway, they'll be they'll be learning and they'll be learning on the game. So to me, it'll be interesting and quite exciting to see players like whether or not it's Radkic or or Kansen, as you said, who scored today for the B team, or Kirk. You know, I mean, he's on loan from um, Michelin, but you never know if, it, if 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 the right situation takes place. You never know, and he's good enough. You know, he might become a permanent transfer. So what I'm trying to say mm. to you is, seeing these players coming in, they might actually surprise us. They may do something which might surprise us. So this, to me, is probably the most exciting thing about that. So I look forward to that for yeah. the rest of the season. And uh, like I said to you, you know, our, all our hearts. When we when we said somebody somebody just put a little message out there saying, um, Thomas Frank said that Makocho is a doubt for the QPR game and everyone just went oh god well you know it's all over then you know you know McEachern's going to be in sort that was the immediate thought you know mm. which is actually quite a bad feeling to have but I'm thinking that it, we it is but it's an honest one bill you know you know we we have actually it's only the last few weeks we've been sort of a bit more vocal on McEachern and I know and I and I have 100% agree with you with what you said some of these kind of kids coming through who um, the DOF's rate and the B team management rate um, it is you know we, we have to trust that you know they're going to come through and be equally as good if not better because you know the, the track record is, is pretty exceptional to be honest yeah so anyway listen we've got much more to talk about so I'm going to just come back off this twang and we've got a couple of things to talk about in and around Griffin Park so as you all know Rob Rowan, the Brentford technical director, unfortunately died 
last year. Really, really lovely bloke. He died of a heart condition. And his wife, Suzanne, who's lovely, I met her last week, the last game, actually. We had a good little chat. Um, during the match, just before Brentford scored another hat full of goals, and uh, we, we had a little chat, and she's basically doing a half marathon in honour of her late husband as well, and to raise money from Cry, which is uh, Cardiac... Um, Cardiac Risk and the Young is a charity which we raised uh, quite a lot of money for actually at the Besotted Social which we are going to tell you about in a couple of weeks time when we actually put out the podcast which we still need to edit together but anyway it's not about that it's about Rob Rowan's wife is doing this uh, marathon or this uh, this half marathon so if you go to Virgin Money page so the Virgin Money charity page and if you search for Suzanne S-U-Z-A-N-N-E Rowan and you'll see that she's got a page up there and, and she'll be really be so heartfelt you know i'm really happy if brentford fans could donate it doesn't matter you know how much you know 5p 10p 50p whatever you can donate out there towards the fund for the cardiac risk in the young it'll be absolutely fantastic um and and, and suzanne Roman said that she is absolutely amazed by the warmth that's been shown by the brentford family for her husband who you know he worked for brentford but it just goes to show you she said that it's much more than just a job it's actually a family so uh so yes that'd be fantastic you know UK Virgin Money, giving.com forward slash Susan Rowan. It's quite another important uh, thing that we needed to talk about now as well. I wanted to talk about the Fulham situation. <laughs> so Saturday, big derby's coming. QBR coming to town. They haven't won at Griffin Park since 1965. The last three matches, we beat them. They're not very happy. And they're always very nervous when they come down to Griffin Park. But we want to find out if the QBR fans are still as nervous because they've got a victory in their belt at Loftus Road and they're feeling a little bit chirpy now. So we're going to speak to Gareth from Ranger Things. They're a radio show, um, a rival radio show on Love Sport. Good set of lads, actually. We're going to talk to Gareth from Ranger Things to see if QBR are feeling confident ahead of Saturday. Five from the Hive. Queen's Park Rangers. Hello, my name's Gareth Dixon. I am on the podcast Ranger Things, which is broadcast on Love Sport Radio and on SoundCloud. Season ticket holder, and I go to the other way game as well. QPR started the season on a terrible run. Relegation looked on the cards. Then, to be fair to Steve McLaren, he turned it around and you went on a good run. Other than your latest match against Leeds, which you won, you are back to that terrible, terrible form. You've lost six out of six. How come you seem to be so Jekyll and Hyde? Rangers had probably one of the worst starts that I can remember, and we've had some pretty bad ones over the years, including under Mark Hughes in the Prim, but McLaren replaced the fans' favourite in Ian Holloway, and he's, um, he was up against it from the very start, really. In some respects, we lost... Some decent players over the summer, experienced players, players like Alex Smithies, best keeper we've had at Rangers for, for a number of years. Um, the likes of Ned Manua and, and Jack Robinson from the heart of defence. So McLaren walked into that and you know the finan- our financial mismanagement is well documented. So he, he had to kind of go digging around and try and get some players in and we didn't do lots over the summer. Um, and then we had that horrendous result at the Hawthorns where we lost 7-1. And I think the, the hierarchy at the club decided that we had to, we couldn't go through the season doing that and we had to go and get players in the quality that would 
make a difference and we did. We went and got four very experienced, I would say expensive players on loan. Um, plus we brought Angel Rangel in on a free transfer and they were really the kind of the difference in our season and uh, I think that's why we've been so up and down this year because we've lost those players for a number of type, for a number of weeks, months even. So Jeff Cameron came into centre mid and, and was really pivotal in, in us turning around and being strong and being solid and uh, he's been out with a, quite a bad injury since the Leeds away game actually so he's been a loss Rangel's been out the side for a similar amount of period Tom Ahmed um, hasn't pulled up many trees with us but he uh, is again is a quality striker and a, a little bit better than we used to over the last couple of seasons but again he's been he's been injured and Naki Wells has, has been quality for us to be fair um, probably hasn't got the goals his performances have deserved but he came in on a massive uh, drought and he and he, he broke that um, and then he kind of hit a purple patch um, but has dropped off a little bit in terms of goals but certainly not performances so I just think that we have lost so much quality over the years some that didn't want to be at the club anyway some that were fans favourites and some that were kind of naturally coming to the end of their their spell as a, a Premier League or even a Championship player so lots of turmoil lots of take uh, lots of changeovers in personnel and uh, I think where we are is pretty pretty where we should be in 17th and I don't think we're going to you know finish top 12 top half of the table so it's anywhere between 13th and, and 18th now for us but we've got to put it into perspective and it's not too bad a season especially with the, the FA Cup results that we had and getting to the fifth round is a run for us so uh, and losing to Watford on TV 1-0 was <laughs> weren't too bad in the end so um, yeah but I think McLaren's done well and bedded some more youngsters in and, and started to embed some sort of style and consistency. Saying that you pulled off a fine win against Leeds in the midweek. Bielsa commented after the match that he had to overcome the sadness. As for the Leeds fans, dodgy referee forward diving, corrupt football league officials. Surely they must have found some reason to moan and dispute the result yet again. The Leeds game was uh, a shock to everybody, I think. I think everyone expected the might of Leeds and Yorkshire's finest, as they like to tell you, and champions of Europe to come down and just beat little old QPR who were on a run of um, it would have, what was eight, eight consecutive defeats in League and Cup. So that didn't really paint a picture of where we were and listening to Leeds fans after, they didn't really, they just saw that and took it at face value that QPR were on a terrible run of form, Leeds are going to roll into London, steamroll of us, go up, jobs are good. And, and on the night we turned up and we, we battled hard and we, we have got a bit of quality in, in Luke Freeman, um, he is a match winner on his, on his day, it just depends how he's feeling and if he's sulking or if he's if he's up for it, I mean his um, dead ball delivery is, you know, up there as as one of the best in the championships, corners and free kicks. Great creative goal that only probably he would have scored on the night. And he he's one of these weird players. He doesn't look like a a natural athlete, but getting the ball off him can be quite hard because he's quite tricky. So Leeds didn't really set up that well for it, but Bielsa's done an amazing job there, and I don't. Really, you know, I think Norwich and West Brom are the two teams for me that I think, right, if they're one and two, 
um, that'll be good. But I'm sure Sheffield United are pleased they're not talking about them because they're still up there and quietly going about their business. And Leeds come with this kind of uh, expectation levels. Certainly the fans are sold out on Tuesday night. And um, yeah, they think they're going to go back to the promised land of the Premier League. But it's, it's just, as we know, this is a tough, tough division to get out of. And um, it's been an interesting season for Leeds on and off the pitch with the... Uh, the um, Spygate and things that are going on as well and, and how some of their players conduct themselves but I think that's been synonymous with Leeds since the since the 70s and Bremner and, and the Revy's team so and even when they won the league they had some characters in there like like Batty and uh, Strachan and, and those likes that you know weren't afraid to put it about and um, Vinnie Jones went up there in the late 80s so Leeds on and off the pitch have kind of mirrored themselves sometimes and potentially um, didn't do themselves any favours off the pitch the other night with how they reacted because they were they had the ump that little old QPR beat them on the night and um, didn't feel that it was the right result and uh, their fans really let themselves down inside the ground with um, some racist chanting which has now been investigated and outside the pit um, outside the stadium it was it was a little bit ugly as well and you know these days of football you think are behind you but it's really sad when it's brought home because Leeds have lost the game of football when they're sitting third in the league and it's the first time they've not scored away from home this year. So, um, work, I think, for, to do off the pitch for Leeds in terms of expectation levels, but Bielsa's done a great job coming across from Argentina. His coaching reputation preceded him and uh, Rangers did well to get the, the results. So, um, yeah, despite the moans and the groans from, from Yorkshire's finest, uh, it was a well-earned victory for QPR. You beat us at Loftus Road early in the season in a game of two halves. We were well in command at the break, going one up. Then Morpé goes down just before half-time. He needs gas. He gets stretched off. In the second half, our game goes to pot. You score three goals in ten minutes. The result actually saw you within shouting distance of the playoff zone. Well, our match early in the season was a game of two halves, cliche as you like. I mean, um, we kind of weren't at the races at the, for the, probably the first half hour. And then uh, I seem to remember Mapai got a bit of a... It was like a, it was an elbow. I don't think there was much intention there, but he caught one, basically. Um, I think it was Leisner. I think it was our big German centre-half. And he went down... Mapai went down quite dramatically. And I think that had a... A bit of a knock-on effect. There was a bit of a shock around the, um, the stadium. I think in terms of like, oh, is he all right? And, you know, the, despite the rivalry, I think you know, genuinely concerned to see a player, you know, a Ranger or opposition with with kind of gas and air being brought on. So that was a bit of a, a bit of a shock. And I think it, I don't know, that, that that seemed to kind of seep into Brentford and and Rangers almost um, capitalised on that with those three quick goals, which came out of nowhere. You couldn't see them and. It just felt like in that purple patch we could just do anything and score a goal, um, which doesn't happen very often for us. So we were quite glad of that. And then the goal you got uh, towards the end, I think it was your fullback. I don't think it's been wrong. I think it was the, the fullback who um, it, it was. A, it was a fairly decent finish actually, um, but it, it, we felt pretty comfortable. It didn't. We didn't feel under the caution. I feel that. Um, you know, that, that was a big thing for us at the time because we were achieving in the league. We were going up towards the top of the league. There was lots of media talk about playoffs. I don't think any 
like you know genuine um, logical QPR fans thought we could sustain a playoff push this season. Um, but I think it made good paper talk to talk about McLaren, the Wally with the Brawley, who's had a disastrous start, 7-1 at the Hawthorns, um, to then turn it round and, you know, what an amazing job he'd done with his coaching staff. And, and I think Brentford at home, that was kind of the height of that. And then we kind of dipped a little bit. We played Hull a couple of weeks later and lost to um, a Jared Bowen-inspired side. So it, that kind of tempered any kind of like playoffs. It was like we, there was these this expectation coming in oh we'll just roll whole over because they're like 20th in the league or whatever but um, it didn't happen and um, yeah I think I think it peaked at the Brentford game obviously it's great to win your kind of your only local London derby of the year not um, including Millwall in that but um, it, we, it was a game to halves and um, I don't think um, on that performance alone you know you could just see that we weren't ready to, to, to stay in, not just the playoffs but I think even top half at the time and we would have probably been two or three points behind the playoffs but we there was a long way to go for us and uh, yeah I th- do think that Mapai moment was was critical in that game um, but credit where credit's due to QPR they came out second half and they literally just attacked that centre of your defence and there was Mepin wasn't playing that day and there was something missing about Brentford's ability to to defend in those key areas at key times and um, Rangers for once were, were clinical and, and ruthless and, and took advantage of it and, and got the, the local Bragg and Whites and the, and the win. So since the last time we met, who's looking hot and who is not for QPR then? I think I mentioned Freeman earlier and um, yeah, he is a class apart on his day. Abriche Eze has been getting a bit stiff from fans but has been doing well as well so um, there's some hopes out there we've got a lot of young players out on loan League 1, League 2 sides which is brilliant for us because it would have been Conference conference South if we were lucky before but now we've got people out on loan so they're not going to be involved in Saturday's game obviously but they are looking towards the future, there's some hope there like Paul Smith, um, Ilias Chair um, Armand Arte as well so Looking good for that. I suppose, interestingly, we've got a lot of out-of-player contract, um, a lot of players out of contract, I should say, including um, your former um, captain, Jake Bidwell. He uh, divides opinion. For me, he doesn't defend well enough in those key, crucial areas. Never seems to want to stop the cross. Um, and he's out of contract in the, in the summer. It'd be really interesting if to see if they, they keep him. So, it, not, he's far, you know, he's not a bad player. He reminds me of Tony Hibbert. He's just 7 out of 10 every week. but And he's got a good delivery as well in the right places. But it's just defensively he's not doing that well. And similar to our other fullback, Darnell Furlong, he's uh, you know he's come for the youth team. He had a baptism of a fire against Alexis Sanchez and, and an on-form Balassi at Palace in the Premier League a few years ago. So he, um, he struggled a little bit. Um, but he's um, he needs a rest, I think. And Rangel may come back in when he's fit. So... Um, some good players in there in terms of Freeman and Eze, but some of our fullbacks are, are probably our weakest at the moment. Griffin Park hasn't been the happiest of hunting grounds for QPR, having lost your last three matches in TWA. You haven't won there since 1965. Do you think you'll be able to buck the trend this time? Give us a score prediction. 
yeah, I think our um, record in London derbies isn't great, but I think Fulham have got a worse one, which I've just learnt tonight, which is which is good news. But yeah, Griffin Park not being a happy hunting ground. I think we had that day with Bertram in 2003, which is you know, 15, 16 years ago now, which is just a little bit scary. But um, that was our last any any bragging rights down there, really. And what really alarms me is that we don't seem to score goals at Griffin Park. We We've got five in the last five, but I think, or, or, or close to that. So, we and we never seem to kind of go on the front foot and take it. And that's the only way we're going to get anything on on Saturday is um, get on the front foot, press you high, press together, and try and win. So, um, penultimate game at Griffin Park. Um, it's one kind of not to miss. Looking forward to the next two down there because obviously moving to new stadium. So, it's one of the um, one of the grounds that um, is still got the terracing and still romantic in that respect. And uh, from from a bygone era, a bit like Loftus Road in some respects, although we're all seater, and it's um, yeah, it'll be kind of sad to see see her going away, but um, I won't be missing kind of the, uh, the 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 batterings you've given us over the last bit. So um, yeah, I, I'm predicting a draw. I think that it's going to be a, a close game. I think I said this last time, so I was wildly off, but I think this one could be one all. We're very similar in the league, and I think your our results in midweek will play into the game a little bit. And um, I don't think we'll cancel each other out. I think you will be on the front foot, but I think we've got newfound kind of um, hope from that Leeds game, and hopefully we can take that in. So I'll go one all, and uh, we'll share the local spoils. QPR coming to Griffin Park, and we would have felt. Absolutely, you know, maybe tell you something, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that um, Sheffield Wednesday has kind of uh, made us a little bit less chirpy and a little bit less confident, you know, as we realise that we are fallible, actually, because after Hull, we probably thought we're walking on air, you know, it's probably just like after we beat Rotherham, beat them 5-1, we thought, oh, we'll beat anyone, we went to Stoke and didn't quite win, and then after that it started to go a little bit horribly beat Tong, so I'm just thinking, hey... Maybe the Sheffield Wednesday was put there to say, Brentford, you need to be on your toes on Saturday because you need to beat the Rangers. You cannot make any of those mistakes. You need to have the energy to actually do what you need to do. Laney, do you think I'm talking nonsense? Uh, you, do, you usually do. <laughs> um, um, so the answer to the question is yes. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm buzzing for Saturday, if I'm honest with you. And, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, there is talk of a, a very early start, and I'm up for it. I think it's, it's, you know, it's nowhere near the cup final, but it's one of the most, it's, the, it's probably the, the game I look for first on the fixture list, even when Fulham were. Other team were, um, uh, you know, on the on the on the on the fixture list. So oh, it's a game I massively, massively want to win, and I think it's a game that we will massively win. You know, I, I'm not in under any misapprehension that Fulham will um, QPR will come here and pump the ball long to Matt Smith, and he will, they will try and they will try and go long on this. But you know. The recent home performances have been out of the very top draw. The crowd are going to be up for it. Everyone's going to be up for it. Peter Gillam's going to be up for it. The, the place is going to be pumped up, and you know the players will want to make up for you know the defeat at Loftus Road. So I, I think it's more of the same for all of you. The intensity, you know, whether we get the five goals or not, I, I, we are capable of it. 
the creative chances, whether we take, I think, more pain, I think Ben Rama and, and I think Canos, I think they're going to be massively, massively up for this game. And it's just it's about how many chances that we create, we take. So, you know, QPR will not be confident coming there, even though they beat Leeds. You know, it, that wasn't they didn't they didn't play them off the park or anything. That was a game they won out of hard work. They get the Griffin Park and, and fair play, but no, they're not going to get. I'm, I'm going to make a point. I mean, Thomas Frank is actually, I think, experienced, and I think the number is five QPR matches before this um, since he's been at Brentford. You know, when, obviously when he's assistant to Dean Smith, and also when he's been manager, so he understands how important this game is and obviously over the past couple of months we've seen how Thomas Frank has you know taken to the fans the fans have taken to him because he's shown the old passion he's done the old stamina of the chest and all sorts of stuff so uh, and you can also see how gutted he is when the players don't do as they're meant to do so I'm sure that he's going to be instilling in them that they need to be winning this match over anyone else because I was a bit disappointed that we fluffed it in October, even though their argument is that you know Malpay did get injured at half time, you know he did need gas, the oxygen. He went off, and then the second half they hit us in ten minutes, and we were knocked off kilter. Okay, I accept that, but you know this is a new game, and ninety minutes we need to do keep the on our own turf, Gary. Yeah, no, we we, we can't lose this game. I think that um, recent histories suggest that we maybe need to recall Josh Clark because oh, yeah. he does enjoy terrorising them. But um, all jokes aside, I'm confident that our um, our home form will hold up. Okay, I am burning to win this game after what happened at Loftus Road. Um, absolutely burning for it, and I'll be up for it. Um, content, I do have to do a bit of driving, so I might have to have a non-alcoholic um, beverage or two in the pubs beforehand on Sunday morning. Or sorry, on Saturday morning. Well, it's a good job you got your MOT then, Kes. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I was afraid of, mate. That's right. Um, the Liberal. Uh, I, I really like the way Frank has become so passionate and displays his passion. As you know, I always had reservations about <clears throat> a couple of our previous head coaches who just seemed to st- stand on the touchline and not get that involved. And at the end of the game would uh, almost be the first ones down into the dressing room area. So, I mean, full credit to Frank and he's obviously up for it. And I was great to read an interview with Ben Rama this week where uh, he said that uh, Peter Gillam was going to give the uh, had been giving them the team talk and telling them about the Rangers rivalry and he said perhaps all we need is Peter Gillam to come into the dressing room 15 minutes before and give us the team talk and that'll really get us going for the game I, I mean like everybody else I can't wait for it um, I shall be arriving as soon as I can in West London um, to imbibe a couple of pints um, with which to to watch Brentford uh, I reckon destroy Rangers who are having a really weird season. They go on good runs and then they go on bad runs. And um, But that result against Leeds was very unexpected um, on Tuesday night. Um, and hopefully the Wally with the Broly will uh, be uh, crying into his uh, upturned uh, umbrella on Saturday night when he uh, leaves Griffin Park. And, and there's going to be raining as well on Saturday. So hopefully maybe, you know, th- th- there may be a scene recreated there with uh, Steve McLaren in, 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 in the edge of uh, of Andy Scott's dugouts with his, with his umbrella. But um, I'm just going to ask you, because obviously we sat there, we talked okay, earlier in this podcast about Josh McEachran. No, we're not blaming everything on Josh McEachran, but obviously, like I said to you, the fear gets struck in our hearts that, you know, we can get overrun. You know, people, you know, play with high intensity against us and, and our, our midfield gets overrun when Josh is in there and we don't seem to take command 
I'm just, just flicking this back. In principle, we're at home. We're playing QPR. They lost six out of six games before that QPR, before that Leeds match. Paper principle, and also we're, you know, we're doing pretty well on on the form guide on the XG charts and everything like that. Shouldn't that be enough to beat them, regardless of, of you know who's in the midfield, even Josh Bakekar and whoever else it may be? Surely, uh, is that not the case? No, no. Yeah, I mean, no, it's not. They're going to do it. It's, you know, it isn't the case. You know, we 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 need to. We need to dominate that midfield. That's 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 what's that's what you know. We overwhelm the opposition at Griffin Park, and that's been happening with Makocho there. It is a it's a massive, massive deflated um, position to be going into that game with with Josh McEachern in his recent form. We know he's capable of it. He needs to do it again. It's up to him. That's right. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll get up. Players will be wound up for it. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Absolutely positive. I be positive. I hope so. I hope so. But, um, to be honest with what um, Ben Rama said about Peter Gillen, perhaps he should play defensive mid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. Peter Gillen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Maybe he'll get his boots on. You know what I mean? So listen, but look, listen, just going around the table here. Give us a score prediction, people. Laney. 5-2 uh, Brentford. Gary. I go 3-2 Brentford. Or the Liberal? 2-1 Bs. And 2-0 Bs. I know I gave it. Ian Westbrook, who's do, he's, he's going to be doing his preview. And by the time this podcast comes out, check besotted.com. You'll see there's a preview of the match. A match preview. He'll be talking to... I don't know if it's Phil Parry he's going to be talking to. It might be Phil Parry, who's going to be giving a, a view from the other side, from the Rangers side as well. And also, there's a really good pub guide. There's all the pubs in Brentford, or a lot of the pubs in Brentford in there as well. So if you check that out, there's more than four pubs to go to in Brentford. There's about 20-odd. So check out that pub guide. But like, like I said, we've all put our scores in the Ian Westbrook review. So uh, my one that I'm giving you now is probably different, yes? Phil, Phil the old Phil Parry. Yeah. <laughs> Was it, he was on the Barnet one as well. He was on the he, Barnet one. He, he sports. He sports everyone. You know what I'm saying? He's just like a multi. Yeah, he's a pop pop up pop up fan. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, he's, uh, well, at least at least he at least he doesn't wave clappers like some fans we know. Yeah, yeah. he's a top he's a top lad actually, Phil Parry. Yeah, so right. uh, yeah. That's right. So, yeah, so anyway, we've given the scores there. So, but listen, and also there's just a little bit of news that's just come in. Neil Malpay is at the London Football Awards at the moment now, and he has just won the EFL Player of the Year at the London Football Awards. So, congratulations to Neil Malpay, his first award of the season, and uh, the first of a few, hopefully. We'll hopefully get a few more at the end of the season, but the first one is there for Neil Malpay. All he needs to do is score another sort of 25 goals now to be like the highest goal scorer in, uh, ever in the in the in the chain the championship um and also um, the, the and bill and bill and bill uh latest news is we are five nil up oh five, five nil up, up yeah. against the five fake bees the fake bees who scored the, who oh, scored the latest on, goal come on do it do it properly come fin, on finson scored uh coot slotted it through to finson who showed immense composure to chip the keeper and score his second goal. Oh, wow. Brentford, Brentford Barnet nil, Brentford five. Oh, back over to you, Billy. Real bees. Ah, oh, listen, that's the, that's the real bees versus the fake bees battle. That, that battle's been going on for weeks and weeks ever since the FA Cup. And it looks like that fire, Brentford have got the final say in the bees battle of London there, you know, as Brentford see themselves into the final of the Middlesex <laughs> Senior Cup. 
Anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We've got QBR coming down on Saturday. We're getting down the pubs nice and early because we're going to be absolutely potty for it. Because, listen, our season might be over in principle, but no, it's not. We've got a few, we've got a few scores to settle, you know, and QPR is one of them. We've got Leeds later in the season. That's another one of them. We've got a few others as well. But we're very, very happy. We lost to Sheffield Wednesday, but forget that one. It's all about Saturday. QPR coming down to town. I've got my chums in the virtual bar. Nice chatting to you, lads. And I'll see you very early on Saturday, as we say. Come on, on you bees. Steve McLaren and his Hair Island. Hair Island. Love Island. <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.